That's a clown question, bro. Hi, what's up, Anya? So I'm gonna kick some dirt. He gets on base. Just a bit outside. I'm not the type of player that's gonna be Johnny Hustle. If you don't want me to watch the ball, you can go get it out of the ocean. And welcome to the show to be named later, where we're talking baseball kind of whenever. I am your host, Chris Giotta. Over there on the other side of the screen is Daniel Curran. How you doing, Daniel? Uh, you know, Chris, it's it's been an interesting week of baseball. Oh, and there goes to deep left field, Nick Castellanos. And uh, that that's going to be a home run to make it 4 nothing Reds. Uh, you know, it's, it's, been a, it's been an interesting week in baseball, a lot of news. Uh, regarding some off-the-field slash on-the-field stuff, but it's going to be a good one today. Yeah, interesting week of baseball. Uh, you know, lots of uh, lots of social media moments, I would say, uh, throughout mm-hmm. the week. Yeah, big week for, for uh, social media and baseball and, you know, kind of where the game stands today. And, uh, I mean, I guess we could just get right into it on – Monday night, uh, Fernando Tatis Jr. has the audacity to try and win a baseball game. Unbelievable. Yeah. I can't believe we're still having this conversation in 2020. Yeah. And to be quite, to be quite honest, I didn't know it was an unwritten rule. I thought, no. <laughs> I thought there was some more. I thought, you know, the unwritten rule people had more coyotes than that. You can't hit a, a 3-0 pitch, like, you can't swing at a 3-0 pitch. I understand, and I was watching, um, there was a clip from uh, Christopher Russo. Where oh, he said, So he was saying, like, I, I kind of understood where he was coming from. So I would understand if, like, uh, the Padres coach is mad or maybe the his, his teammates are mad that he missed a sign, you know, because you don't want to, you don't want to miss signs. That's not what you want to do. But the other manager being mad because it's disrespectful. It's not like a three zero count just randomly happened. That was produced by the pitcher, and Fernando Tatis Jr. decided to swing at the at the first pitch that that was a strike. I mean, is he allowed to swing at the first pitch? I don't know. It's yeah. it's just. I, I don't understand it coming from uh, Chris Woodward's point of view. Maybe Jace Tingler's point of view, because I would I would be mad at, at anybody who missed a sign, even though uh, it worked out for him. But still, it's it's uh, it's yeah. pretty bad. And you know what I don't understand is if you're gonna you know the take sign shouldn't go to Fernando Tatis Jr. Chris, like he's the best hitter in the league right now. If you're gonna give it to anybody in all of baseball the green light that is, you got to give it to Fernando Tatis. And I mean, guess what? He gives him, uh, the pitcher gave him a 3-0 heater, like right, you know, right down Broadway. Of course, he's going to take that to the opposite field on a line. You know, if it was, if it was like your backup catcher, who's was hitting like 070 and he ignores the take sign and tries to be a hero, then sure. Like maybe there's reason to be upset there, but there's no reason to be upset about Fernando Tatis Jr. Who's already marketing the entire San Diego Padres on his own, you know, doing that it makes no sense yeah i mean this is where for me the the unwritten rules definitely cross the line because i mean i understand they already have they already have i understand where like if you're up by 10 runs i guess you you don't steal bases i can understand that but it's a seven run game are you just supposed to let good strikes go by i mean yeah also, it's a seven-run game. You know, there's the Rangers have six outs to play with. We've seen comebacks like that. So just, the, we, just a few days before when the Padres were playing the Diamondbacks, they allowed six runs over two innings. Like, that just happened a couple of days ago. Yeah, it happens a lot. Yeah. And, you know, you can't expect – you can't expect – it's it's not like – it's not like uh, – I don't know. It's not like football where the team's up by four touchdowns and there's five minutes mm-hmm. to go. Obviously there's not going to be competition at the end, but there's no clock in baseball. You have to earn yeah. all six of those outs. And sometimes they come, uh, they come by harder than they usually do. 
And yeah, I mean, it's if if Fernando Tatis Jr. is not allowed to swing there, then the Rangers are not allowed to come back in that game because under these silly circumstances, these are the rules we're, we're playing by. Yeah, I mean, you can't – there is no running up the score in baseball. Like, if, not running up the score is, like, intentionally, you know, not swinging and trying to trying to be bad, which is – doesn't work like that. You still got to try and hit the ball. Like, you got to do the bare minimum, which is hitting the ball. And guess what? Fernando Tatis Jr. tried to hit the ball, and because he's so good, he hit it on a line over the fence in right field. Yeah, and, you know, if you want to do – you can do mental gymnastics with this. It's almost more disrespectful – to just take strikes yeah. left down the middle. It's saying, oh, oh these guys probably aren't going to come back. Yeah. And, you know, one thing I like to think back to is I'm going to go back to the labor negotiations for a second here, Chris. All these, you know, the demographic of the people that follow the unwritten rules, you know, what are they? How old are they? What do they look like? Uh, they're uh, usually at least 50 years old. Yeah, exactly. Those people during the labor negotiations, who are they siding with? They were siding with the owners. Correct. And one of their main arguments was that, oh, these players are getting paid to play a kid's game. You know, they shouldn't be complaining about salaries. If they're getting paid to be a kid's game, being paid to play a kid's game, let them have fun playing a kid's game. Isn't that the whole point? Yeah. I mean, uh, yeah, I, I just, like, this is where I feel like, when I saw this, I thought it was being made up out of thin air. I, I know other unwritten rules, but I had I had no idea that 3-0 pitches when the game was kind of a blowout, I didn't know that was a rule. Yeah, no, I didn't. And it's not even that much. Like, if it's, like, 20 to 7, like, okay, I, I guess I get it. Like, 20 to, you know, if it's, like, a double-digit run lead in the ninth inning, it's like, all right, maybe, maybe, we, maybe we tone it down a little bit. But, like, the game is still – somewhat within reach like Fernando Tatis Jr. put the nail in the coffin with that swing yeah I think I think what Chris Woodward needs to do I think he needs to watch um Rangers Orioles in 2007 30 to 3 game yeah well I mean he wasn't there but not only that but the Rangers last year do you remember what they did with Mike Miner's 200th strikeout yeah they uh let a pop-up go go down and guess what that's the same manager same coaching staff yeah, and uh, like, 30, I even, like 30 to 3. Oh, go ahead. I didn't even mean to make the Rangers connection, but it is funny. But like a 30 to 3 game, you know, you don't you don't let off the brakes. I mean, it's just it's it's not like you're stealing bases. You're doing exactly what you're supposed to be doing. Yeah, what do you do? Like, what do you want them to do? He's, you're hitting the ball, and I'm not happening to hit it, hit it where they are. Do you want me to just intentionally make a base running out? No, of course not. Yeah. I, I don't get it. It's it's the, some of the softest stuff, maybe the softest thing I've seen in baseball thus far in my life. Jeff Patterson put it perfectly. He put out a tweet the next day that said, the unwritten rules are unwritten because if they were written, we would realize how stupid they are. Exactly. Yeah, yeah exactly. I, I can't believe, like, we're talking about marketing the game and marketing our players. You can't do that, but then have like make sure Fernando Tatis Jr. doesn't swing at this 3-0 heater and, and line it into right field in one of the toughest ballparks to hit in so far this year. Like, don't do that. Yeah, uh, it's, it's so it's – so, it's, it's insane. It's very insane. Also, Johnny Bench, I didn't know he had Twitter before he put out that tweet. Uh, did, you, did you have any idea that Johnny Bench had Twitter? No, it is funny because I – like uh, anytime the MLB, sometimes the MLB will tweet out like a historical statistic and they'll like tag like a player. This yeah. happened with Hank Aaron. Hank Aaron has a Twitter. I had no idea yeah. Hank Aaron had Twitter. Yep. Um, yeah, I mean, Johnny Bench, he's like, well, then, you know, you don't want to take 3-0 because then he, if he comes back with a 3-1 pitch, you know, you take that. And then what if he makes a good pitch to make it 3-2 and then you strike out? And none of that happens. Yeah, exactly. And like, yeah, and what if it's ten to three, bottom of the eighth, the Rangers get a rally and they tie the game, or yeah, win the game. By the way, like for the most part, I've never really seen anyone else outside of Jace Tingler, uh, Chris Woodward, and like Eric Hosmer, like siding with 
the unwritten rules. Like I don't, I've not seen one Rangers player come out and be like, yeah, what what Fernando Tatis did was disrespectful. Like I've not seen that at all. Yeah, and also, uh, if you have a problem with Fernando Tatis Jr., you can't be throwing at Manny Machado. There's, yeah. you know, if there's one spot to not throw at Manny Machado, that's the spot. The, he's he's given us plenty of opportunities to want to throw at him during his career. That that's not one of them. Yeah, and uh, yeah, if you had, I mean, it's not like the Rangers, like the Rangers still had a whole series uh, with the Padres coming up. They could have gotten Tatis Jr. Yeah. Um, you know, you know, for stupid reasons, but they could have gotten him later in the series. And I don't know why they chose to go right after Manny Machado. And guess what? You gave Manny Machado time to get his revenge. Did you see last night he hit a walk-off grand slam? Yeah. That was awesome. That he was awesome. It. He cranked it. Yeah, it was a wonderful display. I mean, yeah, and the Padres have hit two grand slams since that grand slam, yep. which is hilarious. Yep. Yeah, because who hit the other one? Will Myers. Uh, Will Myers hit one the next day. Yeah. It's uh, it's quite insane, but yeah, that's kind of our uh, and and uh, who I think uh, Chris Woodward and the guy on the mound got suspended for for this. I think was it Nicasio that was on the mound. I'm not sure. Whoever whoever's yeah. on the mound in a ten to three ball game. Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna look up who was on the mound during that time real quick. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I think it wasn't Juan Nicasio. Oh, oh, no. No, 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 no. All right, Ian Gilbert. Uh, Ian Gilbert, I don't know how to pronounce that name, came in right after uh, Fernando Tatis Jr. at the Grand Slam, and then he impromptly threw at Machado, the very first oh. pitch. Oh, I didn't realize it was a different guy, so he probably – Yeah, that's kind of cheap, so that's, so that's two different – Ian Gilbot, I think that's how to pronounce it. Maybe uh, he Nikoska got the Grand Slam and then left. Maybe he got a message from Chris Woodward there. Yeah, I don't know. Which is ridiculous. Dumb. Ban well, the other that's how that's how we feel about that. Mm-hmm. Now we are uh, we introduce the audience to a new segment, and this is probably going to continue because. Why wouldn't it continue? Um, so we've got this week in Trevor Bauer. Where Do you want to start? Yeah, I'll start. So the Reds, obviously, they had some time off due to a positive COVID test. But last night, they made their return and faced the Kansas City Royals in a doubleheader. And, uh, well, it was an eventful day, but we'll get into that later on. Uh, but Trevor Bauer... You know, he was worried, you know, I don't know if you've been watching his vlogs, but he was worried about the next time he was going to make a start, you know, if he was going to be, you know, ready for it because of the time that he was going to have off. And I think he was fine. Uh, Last night, last night did an incredible job. I'm trying to find the game here. Uh, First of all, he moved his, he won the game, uh, complete game, well, complete game, seven inning shutout, uh, one hit allowed, no runs, three walks, nine strikeouts. Got his ERA down to 068, uh, which is dominant. Uh, but uh, after the game, and actually before the game, there was a video when he was warming up uh, with someone with a target over the, the Kauffman Stadium fountains that said, send it, Trevor, or send it, Bauer, or something like that. Uh, I don't know. That, I'm assuming that was one of his guys that, that did that for the purpose of going viral. Because we like, never does this all for the intention of being viral, and I, good for him because – no one else will do it, and I appreciate it. And then after he completes the shutout, uh, he takes off his jersey and reveals a T-shirt with the with the crown that says "Send it," and it's a, like a picture of Bauer chucking the ball uh, over the wall from last year because that was the last time he started a game there. Yeah, I think it was the Royals mascot actually that had the was target. It? Oh, nice. Also. The free Joe Kelly cleats. Um, Trevor Bauer revealed these cleats before the game that he was going to wear. One of them 
was Joe Kelly making that face with his tongue out at the Astros. The other one said, free Joe Kelly. He put him on, on Twitter and Instagram, and the league told him if he wears those cleats, uh, he's going to get suspended, fined, and ejected from the game, which is ridiculous because Joe Kelly – or uh, well, first of all, Joe Kelly, I mean, everyone agrees he should be freed. Uh, second of all, Trevor Bauer uh, acknowledged the league's cleat policy before his start and said – the MLB said as long as it's not political – and as long as it doesn't send a negative message, it's fair game. Jeffrey Joe Kelly is not political. I don't think it is. I don't. I, don't, I mean, I don't see him running for president. I don't see him making any sort of st- statements. Uh, and it's not a negative message if every player agrees with it. So uh, Rob Manfred, as as he said, so he sent out a, a list of tweets last night after the start. He said, "For everyone wondering why I didn't wear the cleats tonight." MLB threatened to eject me and suspend me and levy unprecedented fines against me if I did. I couldn't put my teammates at risk like that. Which I I have a lot of respect for. Like he's talked about how he's had he's had to have teammates make impromptu starts because he wasn't he wasn't feeling healthy, and had them have their careers end because they got lit up. Uh, so he didn't want to put his teammates under the bus. So he had to sacrifice the cleats. Earlier this year, MLB said players could put whatever they wanted on their cleats so long as they weren't political or offensive. Apparently, Rob is not a fan of players following his rules, as Free Joe Kelly is not political and very clearly said is very clearly said in jest. Just leaves me over here wondering how the following rules equal ejection slash suspension slash fine, and cheating your way to a World Series equals no suspension slash ejection slash fine. You all really know how to pick your battles. Lesson learned, though. Fun is bad. Cheating is good. We'll make that same mistake twice. I can promise you that. And that is uh, This Week in Trevor Bauer. Do you have any oh, thoughts? One other, one other thing. He had a he had a little duel with uh, Scott Boris over the week. Oh, where, yes. He did have that duel. Do you want to get into that? Yeah. Um, so so uh, the Reds' um, outbreak, quote-unquote outbreak happens. It didn't really uh, end up being anything, luckily. Thank God. And uh, Ken Rosenthal uh, tweeted out that there was the positive test, and then Bauer – you know, after the news comes out, promptly promotes his his vlog as he as one should. Um, if you're trying to, you know, grow the vlog, grow the game, and uh, Scott Boris had some of his um, some of his uh, clients, some of the players in the league that are associated with Boris. He had them talk to call and text Trevor Bauer to like stop doing the vlog um and stop and threatening to shut down the vlog with uh the MLB Players Association because Scott Boris thought he was trying to be a reporter uh with with his uh social media and with his vlog even though um when Bauer tweeted out that he was going to show people what it was like to uh when when Bauer said that he was going to show people what it was like to you know have a team go through an outbreak that was after Ken Rosenthal tweeted out the news so he was completely false there I would recommend watching uh Trevor Bauer's uh vlog I think it was the 10th vlog where he yep um where he went after Scott Boris. It's not safe for work, so I can't play it. Um, yeah. I can't play it on here. And uh, it was a beef. And, you know, I think the vlog the vlog goes on. I think Trevor Bauer knows infinitely more about how um, the Players Association and how, you know, social media works with that. So that was, an, that was a very interesting beef that he had with uh with boris corp it is crazy to me how many people are against what he's doing when he's made it very clear that he wants this for the betterment of baseball yeah i mean like uh i I understand if it doesn't hit the regular baseball audience you know the the audience that likes the unwritten rules but it's all about growing the game it's all about you know getting people our age to tune into the game and I think it's huge honestly I think it's huge for 
you know, kind of high school baseball players and, you know, people, anyone who kind of grew up playing the game just to see what it's, what the operations are, uh, what the operations are behind the scenes in major league baseball, see what a, you know, a professional pitcher does for his preparation. And also you add in the factor that it's a very unusual season. Everyone's getting tested. You get to see what the testing is like. Um, you get to see what, how the protocol protocols are being um, followed. I mean, if you're a Reds player, you kind of have to follow the protocols because there's a camera around uh, recording everything you do pretty much. That's right. Um, yeah, I mean, how long have we been saying, like, you know, the average age of a baseball fan is, is 55 years old? Why, like, it's there for a reason. And guys like Trevor Bauer are going to try to take that down. Like, within three or four years, if it's in the 40s, like, we're making progress here. And th what he's doing is so frowned upon for some reason. And I, I don't understand it because he is trying to market the game or he is trying to make it more popular amongst the younger demographic. And for some reason, that's frowned upon. Yeah. And what you're looking for, what you're looking for is – are the viral moments and Trevor Bauer is all about the viral moment. You, you know, every, anything that can like, if he had the freak Joe Kelly sh uh, shoes last night, I mean, I can't imagine there's, there would probably be a lot of, there'd probably be some big Jersey sales um, yeah. for the Reds. I mean, there'd be, and you know, any, any viral moment. I mean, uh, you know, Manny Machado's grand slam from last night. That's a great moment. That's a, that's a moment that you want to market. Mm -hmm. It's uh, yeah. You want those viral moments and Tra Trevor Bauer is going to give them to you. That's right. By the way, he he's doing really well for a contract year. Yeah. He's doing insanely well. He's uh, he's perfected the spin rate. I think there's been some, some articles on that. He's in the 100th percentile in fastball spin rate. Uh, he's of course. even the, even though he's in the 27th percentile in fastball velocity. velocity. Yeah. So, so the perceived velocity, I can't imagine it. It, it always the fastball just looks like it's going up. It's uh, it's pretty. He's pretty fun to watch. I would recommend if you have the if you have the extra innings package or the MLB.tv package, you got to watch him. He's he's kind of must watch television right now. He really is, and. I'm kind of excited to see what he does with the vlog if he does anything like during the free agency process, you know? Yeah. I mean, imagine he's like, imagine he's like, all right, guys, I just got out of my meeting with the Reds. You know, they offered me as so-and-so. <laughs> yeah. I, I'm wondering how much information he can, he can disclose. He can disclose. Probably not a lot. I think he can give hints though maybe like maybe he's like you know i'm leaning this way but this side's got that and i'm looking at this you know they got this clause in the contract that i like but i want them to get rid of this like if he can if he can do that that'd be pretty cool yeah i mean the the more he does with the vlog the better uh yeah is how is how i see it i mean yeah i don't really care about any imagine if imagine if he breaks his own news like lebron james did when he went back to cleveland <laughs> yeah yeah, if he was just on MLB Network or something like that. He's like, hey, guys, guess what? I just re-signed with the Reds. Four years, 80 mil. Yeah. <laughs> well, Trevor Bauer is not the the only news happening with the Reds uh, okay. as of late. Uh, ta their uh, play-by-play play announcer, uh, Tom Brenneman, uh, probably – probably not going to be working for much longer with at least with the reds yeah uh this was i mean i'm sure you, most of you have seen this viral clip going around twitter maybe instagram uh he had a hot mic moment uh and you know we all have them like i had one uh last year with a friend with my friend nico who was on the last show uh this year at springfield luckily it wasn't nearly as bad as as this one but uh, he used a slur, uh, a homophobic slur, that, uh, I mean, you can't be using that word in any, I mean, you can't be using that word at all, regardless of what placement you're in uh, today or any day, really. 
Uh, and yeah, I mean, you can't be saying that and you especially cannot be saying it if you're close to a mic, regardless of if you think it's on or not. Oh yeah. And he, I mean, he was really cutting it close too, because I mean, it was, he emphasized that it was, and it was seconds before he thought the commercial break was going to end. I mean, if he's going, (laughs) if, if you, if you ever wanted to, you have to put it in like maybe 30 seconds into the commercial break. You can't have it five seconds before you're about to go on air, which I I wonder if he's, if he's ever cut it that close before. I mean, you know, I've seen a lot, you know, I've seen a lot of people sort of, I mean, Kurt Schilling, like what came to defend him on Twitter, which is, I mean, I guess I'm not really surprised, but you know, I like he was, hold on, let me pull up Schilling's tweet. What did he, what did he say here? It was in response to a passing tweet explaining the whole thing. Uh, I went like, why can't Kurt Schilling shut his mouth just for what, until he gets into the hall of fame? I don't know. He just, he's stopped caring. What, what are we doing here? Like you're at 70%. You got one more year to just wait, just, just wait on it just a little bit. But no, no, we can't. Okay, he said, in today's cancel culture, I am expecting an insane overreaction to this mistake. I can tell you that Tom Brenneman is one of the nicest and most thoughtful men I, I have known. His father is the very same. Uh, you know, I mean, what are we doing? Like, you can't, you can't be defending this guy right now. What I will say is, like... Okay, if you if you're saying that on a hot mic right before commercial break, you're probably you might not be qualified for the job. But Thank you. I would be surprised if Tom Brenneman was hateful at all or or anything. I mean, I, I haven't heard about any negative experiences with the person. I don't think because he uh, dropped that slur, I, I don't think he's a hateful guy. But he 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 had that moment and I don't think, I don't know if you can put a guy back on air, especially no. such a family friendly, um, such a family friendly program, such a family friendly, you know, entertainment venue. I don't know if you can put him back on after that. Um, but I think, I think that's just the business. I don't, I don't know, you know, if Tom Brenneman might be a, a great guy, I think it's, you know, it's still very possible. He's a great guy, even with this, uh, mishap. I think that's what a lot of people misunderstand about this. He's not evil because he had one mistake, but I understand if you don't want to put him back on the television uh, for the Reds. Yeah. Uh, I mean, one, one sort of take that I had, like, if you go back and watch the replay, he really emphasized, you know, the word. Um, and if, if you have no problem, like saying that word, you know, like off, like assuming you're, you know, if, if assuming you're off the mic and then no one will hear it, it probably like speaks to your your character. Like it's like if you're gonna say that word, especially in a professional setting around all your colleagues, like if you're just gonna throw that word word around, uh, as as emphasized as he did, chances are you have you have no problem saying it. And in any other scenario, where you don't have a mic on you, yeah, like that doesn't that doesn't happen. You don't just say that on accident, you know? Yeah, I'm not sure. I I can't. I can't, um, I mean, I can't speak. I feel like, you know, if, if you know Tom Brenneman and, uh, if, and I can't, I can't speak to knowing him either. If you know Tom Brenneman and you had bad experiences with him similar to this, then you're probably feeling very vindicated right now. And if he's been a very good guy, maybe you're finding something out about him or you're thinking, I don't know. It was a, it was a bad, bad slip. Uh, so, I, I don't know. I, I don't know what the culture is over there, but um, he seemed he seemed to have some free reign. I guess I'm not sure. Um, I think I mean minimum. You should probably like kick him out for the rest of the season. Like I don't see why you should be calling another Reds game this year. It's not that. It's not like it's he has to wait too long. He's, there's a little over a month left in the regular season. Um, and we haven't even gotten into the apology, which we'll get into later. But I did some digging, and his dad, Marty Brenneman, uh, well, first of all, he has been he did the Reds games forever. Like, he's the very first Reds game that he ever broadcasted, Chris. 
Uh, Hank Aaron hit his 714th home run to tie Babe Ruth. Wow. Yeah, so that, that goes back to 1974, of course. He just retired last year, so that's, what, 35 years in the booth? Am I, am I doing that math? Is it 45, actually? Uh, yeah, 45. Yeah, I can't do math. 45 years in the booth. Uh, and he had a controversy, not nearly, like, not nearly to that degree, but uh, in 2007, Marty Brenneman uh, was making a comment on an upcoming Reds road trip where they had to go out west to face the A's, the Mariners, and then go east to face the Phillies and then come back home. And he compared it to the Baton Death March. The Baton, uh, I'm not sure what that is. It was back in the 1940s. It was, it was a horrific event. I'll just say that uh, people in Europe. Uh, I think the U.S. was involved. I haven't. I just remember learning it briefly in like history class, but, but not something you want to just compare. You know, just want to throw out there. Uh, people were killed for no particular reason. Uh, I believe I'd have to look more into it, but either way, uh, he, he had to issue an, a public, a public on-air apology after that. And that was 2007. So like this family, you know, they have their history in the booth with those kinds of slip ups. Oof. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah. I mean, it's, it's not a good look, obviously. Uh, and I don't, obviously I don't know Tom Brenneman as a character, but I mean, the one thing is, if he emphasized that word as heavily as he did, it, it probably gives me an indication that he has no problem saying it off the mic. Yeah, it's all about it's all about the the business of it at this point. If Reds fans, if there's a if there's like a boycott, then it's better for the it's better for Fox Sports Ohio to let him go. Um, yeah. If I mean I if people. If he gets fired, I don't think anyone, any Reds fans, I don't think are going to boycott or anything. It, they did, weren't yeah. listening for for Tom. They weren't watching for Tom Brenneman, although they might have enjoyed his commentary before. Um, but yeah, interesting situation. Yeah, and by the way, do you want to get into the apology now? Uh, yes. So this was, I mean, this was making the rounds last night. He was in the middle of of making his apology uh during the game and in the middle of it nick castellanos goes deep and he has to interrupt it in the middle of it which is hilarious yeah maybe i might uh i might actually screen share this yeah i'll uh i'll go into the direct messages but yeah it's uh an an objectively hilarious thing. It was hilarious. And also the home run that Castellanos hit, if you look at the sign right above, it says judgment-free zone. Yeah, it's this and the um, – this and, you know, the Padres hitting two grand slams in the past, like, three days uh, are some of the funniest things that have happened in baseball. All right. Yeah. Or actually, I need to share the audio. One second. Okay. Um, okay. Share computer sound. All right. I pride myself and think of myself as a, a man of faith. As there's a drive in a deep left field by Castellanos, it will be a home run. And so that'll make it a 4-0 ball game. I don't know if I'm going to be putting on this headset again. I don't know if it's going to be. <laughs> it's such a great transition. It's, it's so funny. It's like, I, I thank God for Nick Castellanos. Like, that was... That is the best moment he's ever provided in his time in the big leagues. Yeah, it was, uh, you know, it, like sometimes, sometimes the perfect moment happens. And, During the uh, most unfortunate time. That was the perfect also, moment. But I think also, that's all we have on the, uh, the Tom I mean, Tom I, I mean the, fact, the fact that he called himself a man of faith. Like, I don't, I don't, is anyone going to believe that right now? 
yeah i'm not i'm not sure i think i think the idea of faith is being accepting of all people and uh the word he used is not accepting at all yeah i i yeah um so some baseball news some on the field yeah. baseball things going on so the tampa bay rays they got off to a slow start but yeah. now Orioles. They, are, they are on an absolute tear they've won 10 of their last 11 they have just defeated the yankees twice in a row their record against the yankees this year is five and one uh they're looking incredibly good right now and a huge threat uh in the american league east yeah i mean they could take over first place tonight they got they're facing james paxton uh they have uh, garrett who is it trevor richards going tonight uh, i'm not sure if it's going to be as an opener or if he's going to actually pitch uh but either way i mean the rays have a, one of the best bullpens in the league I mean, Chaz Rowe, he did look a little shaky last night, but he's got that slider. You know, you have my guy, Nick Anderson, who came out in the eighth last night and struck out the three and four hitters in the Yankees lineup. And I get it. There is no LeMayhew. There is no Judge. There is no Stanton. I get it. I do. Go back to that series in Tampa where they took three of four. They had, they had all of them. I mean, I guess they, had st- they didn't have Stanton for one of those games. But still, I mean, this team can compete with the Yankees, with their healthy players. They absolutely can. And they they took, they took, got two off Garrett Cole last night as well. Yeah, they're looking in, incredibly good. Yeah, the Yankees do seem to be feeling uh, the absences of those guys right now, but I, I don't think that takes away from anything the Rays are doing. And the Rays are winning not only with their pitching, but also offensively since August 9th. Uh, they lead. They uh, are leading all of baseball in weighted runs created plus, and runs scored. Uh, they're. To be fair, they faced the Red Sox for four games as well. Yeah, they did. They did do that, but I mean, a win, a win is a win for, for sure. And you know, they faced the Orioles, who have not been bad this year. And I mean, when you win two against the Yankees. That's always gonna. That's always gonna show something about your club. Yeah, that's right. Uh, do you have anything else? Um, no, I think. Okay, I think that's this, fine. This is probably the big. Yeah, this was probably the biggest. Um, you know, turnaround of the past week and a half. Riz, Riz started off kind of stagnant, and now they oh, the Diamondbacks, are. Diamondbacks. They've won. They just they lost last night, but they had like a five or six game win streak, and they're they're almost five hundred now. Uh, who? The Diamondbacks. Oh yeah, the Diamondbacks. The Diamondbacks are hot again. They uh they took two from the Oakland Athletics. Uh, they lost last night, but you know, getting getting the reins on a team that was probably the most red hot team before this series. Uh, that's pretty big for the Diamondbacks. So uh, this, this transitions into our How About That's uh, for the week. Or yes. For the show. And I guess I'll start because my first How About That is on the Rays. And, you know, you talked about that offense and how good they've been doing. And the leader of that offense is Brandon Lau. This guy finished third in the AL Rookie of the Year voting last year. And he has been absolutely dominating. He's the AL leader in wins above replacement with 1.7, Woba with a 4.73, and weighted runs created plus with a 2.11. And he is the MLB leader in slugging percentage with a 7.44. And also, during the 10-1 and stretch that the Rays are on, Brandon Lau is hitting, is slashing 400, 478, 950, 14.28, with six home runs, 14 RBIs, 16 hits, 14 runs scored, and only eight strikeouts and five walks also one grounded to to double play but Brandon Lau has been red hot and he has been the leader of the Rays during this stretch yes Brandon Lau has been unbelievable my how about that player um of the uh of our Thursday episode Thursday August 20th episode uh so last week you talked about an Oriole. I talked about the entire Orioles um, offense 
putting it together. Um, and in the past, in the uh, in the past four days, one man has given me reason to talk about the Orioles a little more. One one particular Oriole because they've kind of their their uh, their production has kind of gone down as of late. But not Anthony Santander. Anthony Santander is on a 14 game hitting streak, and in the last 11 games, he's hit seven home runs. Also in the last 11 games, he's hitting 378 with a 1418 OPS. And I mentioned the seven home runs. Six out of seven of those home runs have either tied the game or taken the lead. How about that? So these are no these are no cheap home runs from Anthony Santander. And you know the uh, the the downfall of the Orioles for the past few games have not been Anthony Santander's fault at all. He's been keeping them in the games, um, and he's been quite quite good for this team, even though the team um, has kind of dropped off as of late. But hey, they got a four game home series against the Red Sox this weekend. So I mean, if they want to if they want to get hot again, now's the time. Yeah, yeah. So my second my second how about that player. Uh, you know, this is this is a little weird for a guy that's a perennial superstar, but he has been absolutely crushing the ball. Anthony Rendon uh, for the Angels yeah. has been tearing the cover off the ball. Over his last nine games, he is slashing 469, 553, 1031, 1584 with five home runs, six walks, and five strikeouts. Virtually all of his hits this year have been extra base hits. I'm going to get the the numbers on that one. Because er, seemingly every hit he has goes for extra bases, which is pretty awesome. Uh, because the Angels have needed him to step up. He, he started out a bit slow, uh, but he has figured it out now. He has 19 hits, uh, and 11 of them – no, 10 of them are for extra bases. So almost half of his hits are extra base hits. Love to see that. And also uh, – yeah, five home runs, six walks, and five strikeouts over those last nine games. He leads the AL. The only thing stopping him from leading the AL in the entire quadruple slash line over that time is your guy, Anthony Santander, who is leading him in slugging percentage by just a little bit. Wow. Anthony Santander. Anthony Rendon has figured it out. Yeah. Anthony Rendon, he's a guy, like, the team could be uh, – could have a 700 winning percentage or a 300 winning percentage. He's just going to go out there and play his game. Since and August 9th, his his batting average has gone from 103 to 268, and his OPS from 569 to 1018. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. So there, there's Anthony Rendon. How about that? There's Anthony Rendon for you. Do you have a uh, any more? Uh, how about that's? I do not. So that transitions from the highs to the lows. Now we're going to be doing some slightly alarming statistics, talking about players who have been doing pretty poorly uh, this season, or at least in the past week or so. I'll start with uh, a guy who was an all-star last year, uh, kind of dropped off a little bit since then, and he's definitely dropped off this year for different reasons. Uh, I'm talking about Josh Bell. Josh Bell, he currently owns a 544 OPS, you know, and I don't know if it's really that much of a small sample size anymore. They've played over 20 games, and he's got a, a 544 OPS. And it's not like he's really getting that, that unlucky. Uh, these are some really slightly alarming statistics here. So his strikeout percentage has yet to be above 20% in his career. But this year, it is... 32.9%. Slightly alarming. And his strikeout percentage this year is in the 11th percentile in the league, meaning that only uh, only 10% of the league strikes out at a higher rate than he does. And his whiff percentage, his swing and miss percentage, has gone from 25.3% uh, in 2019 to 40.8% in 2020. Slightly alarming. Along with that, his whiff percentage on fastballs has, was never below. So his, 
swing and miss percentage on fastballs was never below 20% in his entire career since uh, 2016. Now his uh, swing and miss percentage on fastballs is 37.3%. Slightly alarming. It's almost doubled this year. It's been pretty bad. And uh, currently, his, so, uh, his, his zone contact rate, his, his contact rate on uh, balls in the strike zone, it was never below 80% before this year. Now it is 69.5%. Slightly alarming. So he is uh, swinging and missing at almost a third of uh, baseballs he swings at inside the strike zone. Josh Bell, not looking good right now. Okay. So my slightly alarming player, uh, when, this guy, when this guy is on, everyone will let you know that he's on. I mean, he is one of the most marketable players in baseball. In fact, he is actually this year's MLB The Show cover athlete, but he has not been doing so well this year, and I've heard virtually nothing. Javier Baez has been struggling it up there on the north side of Chicago, slashing 189, 237, 334, 582, which is not very good. Also, a 167 uh, ISO, I believe, uh, something like that. His ISO is is not good. And from 2018 to 2019, he ranked seventh in Major League Baseball uh, in extra base hits with 154. This year, he only has eight. The power numbers, I, I mentioned Anthony Rendon, you know, having exuberant power numbers, like especially above everything else. Javier Baez, not at all. Nothing at all. His whiff, and every, virtually everything has gone up or down in accordance to what's good or bad. Obviously, he's always been a big strikeout guy. Uh, last year, he had a strikeout percentage of 27.8%, which is not good. This year, it is 33%. A third of his strikeouts, or a third of his at-bats, and then a strikeout, which is not good. Also, his hard hit percentage has gone from 43.6 to 38.2. So that's gone down. The, expe- the expected batting average is not doing him much of a favor either. It's 226, which is, is, you know, it is better than his actual batting average, but not, not by much at all. His barrel percentage has gone from 12.7% to 9.1%. So that, is, that has gone down. Uh, and yeah, that's, that's just about it. Javier Baez uh, been swinging and missing a lot more and hasn't been hitting very well to make up for it. Slightly alarming. And surprising to see the, uh, that the Cubs are still succeeding. Uh, yeah, Chris Bryant hasn't been doing that well either, and he just went down on the IL. Yeah, I think it's been a lot of good pitching from the Cubs. Uh, you know, you Darvish, mm-hmm. Kyle Hendricks, I think John Lester's do, doing well. So luckily for them, they still have the pitching. Um, and, yeah, I mean, yeah, who – is anybody – is anybody doing spectacular in that offense? Is like Kyle Schwarber doing well? Yeah, Ian Happ and Kyle Schwarber, you're one of both of our guys, pretty much. Yeah, Ian Happ has been one of the best hitters in the league. He's been the best hitter in that offense for sure. Yeah, that's, uh, I will check that right now. That's but good to hear. Happ, uh, with that. and by the way, you Darvish, one eight zero ERA, pretty good. Yeah, you Darvish is doing is picking up right where he left off last year. He was one of the best pitchers in the game. Um, right. He was one of the best pitchers in the game uh, in the second half last year. And I don't think – I think a lot of people forgot about that. And, yeah, this year he's doing absolutely amazing. But now we're going to – By the way, hold on real quick. Uh, Ian Happ, three three fifteen average with an 11.09 OPS. Uh, so that's good. Jason, wow. Also, Jason Kipnis, 282 average with a 972 OPS. Pretty good. How yeah. about that? From look, at, look at him coming back. Kip. Yeah. You thought his career was over, didn't you? Yeah, I did. Generally, everyone. Well, now we get into our preview of the weekend of baseball ahead. I think we've got a pretty good uh, weekend of baseball happening um, I think uh, we, there's a couple series to look at. Um, I'm going to – one 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 that I, I guess I w- I'm looking forward to, but, you know, we're both looking forward to, to this one, just looking at the, uh, the calendar here. The 
Padres and Astros facing off. The Astros are on a uh, seven-game win streak, and they're playing the Rockies today to try and uh, sweep the Rockies and take the, uh, take the air out of those tires. And maybe the Astros, you know, are they going to continue their momentum going to San Diego, or is uh, are we going to see San Diego, you know, stop the uh, stop the train? All right, uh, I am looking at the the crosstown Chicago series. Cubs and White Sox face each other this weekend. Um, first of all, I mean, did you see the uh, the game last night? Casey Mize and Dane Dunning both made their debuts. Um, I watched part of it. All right, they both did pretty well. I think they both left with three earned runs uh, over above five innings, so very respectable. Uh, in the opener of this series on Friday, you got two of virtually the same pitcher going against each other, Dallas Keuchel versus John Lester. Yeah, uh, I believe I believe Dennis Eckersley would say a lot of educated cheese going yep, on in that, correct. in that game. A lot of uh, fastballs not really getting above 90. A lot of ground balls. A lot of ground balls. Yeah, a lot of uh, you know cutters and sinkers going on there from the left side. Saturday, you got Dylan Cease going against Kyle Hendricks. That's a good one. That is a good one. Dylan Cease has, has been very underrated. He looks pretty good uh, so far. And then Sunday, uh, the White Sox have not announced their starter, but the Cubs are using Yu Darvish, which is very exciting because he is he has electric stuff. Uh, when did the White Sox last use Giolito? Because it could it could it be him on Sunday? I'd love to see Giolito versus um, versus Darvish. Yeah, it, some very good pitching matchups. That definitely the first two, and then you know I don't think so. Never mind. Are you, okay, Giolito's going tonight. So now I think it would be yeah. She's going tonight. I think he's Gonzalez. Yeah, I'm not sure. I mean, outside of. Giolito, Keuchel, and, and Cease, it's kind of, um, it can get, I mean, I don't know, if Reynal, is Reynaldo Lopez still on the team? Um, he's not on the roster right now. Yeah, so that's going to be, that's going to be a weird one. On paper, that looks like a Cubs victory, but you never know. That's, that's the game of baseball. But exactly. that closes out the episode. Mm-hmm. Uh, we hope you enjoyed this one. If you're listening on Apple Podcasts or Spotify and you want to watch us talk, uh, go to our YouTube channel. It's called STBNL with Chris Gianta and Daniel Curran. Also, if you want to follow us on Twitter, follow me at Chris underscore Gianta. Follow Daniel at Daniel underscore Curran on both Twitter and Instagram. And if you want to follow the show Instagram, uh, follow at STBNL podcast. Uh, we got the promotional videos there. I might uh, be doing more Photoshop on there. At least, at least with statistics, I've gotten a little lazy with that. But yeah. we'll uh, we'll get that back and running. So we hope you enjoyed our little midweek check in on the world of baseball. Lots to talk, lots to talk, lots to talk about in this episode, and we hope to be talking to you. Uh, you, we hope you're listening to us on Monday where we recap the weekend of baseball uh, to come.